What a week in American soccer. Four days after our last show and everything that you could imagine has happened. Raul to the Cosmos, a new team in L.A. and the MLS playoffs are underway. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. What's cracking, Ivis? Nothing much, Garrett. It's, uh, it's that time of the year. Every, everything is going on. There's all sorts of news to talk about. It's crazy to think about all, all the stuff that's gone on and that's happened in the four days since our last show. And uh, we, we definitely don't have a shortage of things to talk about. But, of course, we got to kick things off with the MLS playoffs. No, you're exactly right. And on Thursday night, New York Red Bulls defeated a very tough and organized sporting Kansas City, New York. Bradley Wright Phillips, two goals in this one. Ivis, you were at the game. It was awesome. I'm I'm very disappointed it ended. I still I wish it went into overtime. But if you're a New York fan, obviously happy to get that victory, get rid of all those demons. Ivis, you were there. I mean, what was it like watching New York be able to walk away with a victory? Well, I got to tell you, for for a good bit of that game, it really felt like so many games that Red Bulls playoff games that I've seen in the past. And I mean, I've been covering them uh, almost since day one, and and you've seen them. Uh, just choke away games at home, especially. And it's crazy to think about the fact that before Thursday, they had never won a decisive uh, playoff game at home before. Mm-hmm. I mean, in their entire history, they were 0 and 4 in decisive games in the past. And, uh, you know, this game ha- had all the makings of being another one of those. Uh, they played a sporting Kansas City team that was clearly battered and bruised and tired. Uh, so beat up, in fact, that they came in and played a completely different style than they are used to playing, that everybody's used to seeing them play. They didn't come out and play the high-pressure approach where they just smother you and buzz all over the field. They actually sat back, looked for the counter, and it really caught the Red Bulls off guard a bit. But Mm -hmm. having said that, the Red Bulls had some unbelievable chances that they just flat-out missed, from Tim Cahill missing a six-yard uh, a chance right from the six-yard box that he somehow skied over. Uh, Dax McCarty with a header into an open net, and he missed that wide. Brad, Bradley Wright Phillips with a miss in the first half. And uh, even Terry Henry, once Terry Henry missed from with his usual right-footed uh, shot that's usually money, You at that point you felt, uh-oh, this, this, this is going to be an upset in the making. Uh, Dom Dwyer scores the goal to give them the 1-0 lead. And it, I tell you what, man, the Red Bulls look done. They look finished. It looked like it was another night playoff nightmare. But credit to them, credit to Bradley Wright Phillips, and credit to Mike Pecky for making some really good substitutions. Yeah, it definitely felt that the the game kind of had one of those kind of like you're like, you know, the more you watch New York fail to score, you're like, oh, man, dude, you know Sporting Kansas City is just going to get a goal back here. And then when Dom Dwyer scores, you're just like, dude, there it is. That That's the punishment for New York. But uh, I just, I mean, what stood out to you in this one, though, for New York to be able to overcome uh, the Dom Dwyer goal because I mean let, let's face it New York did have their chances but you know they definitely found some ways to attack Sporting Kansas City down the wings I mean for you I mean what what stood out that that really helped New York be able to defeat Sporting Kansas City get those two goals late well I think number one Terry Henry really started putting pressure on their on the on their Red Bulls left side of the field I thought Peggy Luyendula his insertion into the game obviously was a big difference maker because he was able to unlock that Sporting Kansas City defense with a couple of really good passes. Uh, that led to help lead to both goals. Uh, so he was big. I thought Ambrose Oyango had great energy, and obviously the cross for the winner w- wasn't wasn't the most perfect cross. It wasn't a textbook cross, but it's funny because it was almost so bad that it <laughs> that it was that it was brilliant. It was so bad that the defenders had no idea what to do. It was like a knuckleball in baseball where it looks weird. It looks totally like absurd, 
but it just can move in a way. And if you watch the replay, Aurelian Collin looked completely lost on the winner. And it's crazy to think about what a difference a year makes. Last December, he's the hero scoring the equalizer, uh, MVP of MLS Cup final. And then here he is on Thursday night, uh, really not looking good on the night and, and basically having a big part to play in the Red Bulls winning goal. But the story is the Red Bulls, them battling back, and Bradley Wright Phillips. I mean, I guess we could put to bed the notion that the guy can't score without Henri putting it on a platter. Yes, Henri assisted on the first goal, but he scored the winner on an Oyango uh, wayward cross. Uh, but he just put puts himself in the good spots uh, constantly. And, uh, you know, hats off to him. Four goals in five days, basically, for him, right? I mean, he's on fire. And now the Red Bulls play DC United in the fifth playoff installment of that rivalry. Uh, I thought Ayango shanked it when he first kicked it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you got to be kidding me, man. You have three guys in the box trailing. I mean, did it look as bad in person? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it looked that. I don't think it looked that bad. It just everything happened in kind of slow motion, and you kept waiting for Eric Kronberg to come out and get that ball. Now, Eric Kronberg is not a little guy. Eric, Eric Kronberg is not a small goalkeeper. He's one of the bigger goalkeepers in the league, and he needs to come out and make a play on that ball. And when he didn't do that, uh, that that ended up costing him the play. I mean, obviously, Aurelian and Colin could have done better. He looked completely lost. He. He, he, he looked up, and it seemed like he kind of lost sight of the ball or lost track of the ball. So he wasn't he was in a position to make a play. Uh, but if you're Eric Kronberg, you got to make that play. you got to get out there you, as big as he is. I mean, I, off the top of my head, I don't know how tall he is, but, I mean, he's got to be more than 6'3", at least 6'3", probably taller. Um, so that's a big mistake on his part. But credit to the Red Bulls. They showed some great resilience. And, uh, and, and for Mike Pecky, I mean, here's a guy who has been a part and been around uh, in one way or another, has been around for almost, I think, all of the team's playoff disappointments, or many of them, uh, when you go through the history of this team. Uh, and he actually played a huge part in their first home playoff loss, which uh, series loss when they were eliminated. And this was back in 1998. Uh, Mike Pecky was a rookie. He was a rookie ha- ha- having a really good season. Uh, and back then, MLS had the shootout, which is basically, it wasn't a penalty kick. You basically got to dribble the ball from, I don't know, 35, 35 yards away, and you had to try to beat the goalkeeper. So you had to dribble around him, shoot by him, but you you had the ball and you could do with you what you want with it. It, it seems completely foreign now, but for those of us who, who followed the league back, you know, pre, pre-aughts, back in the 90s, you know, we remember this time, Mike Pecky had his attempt saved uh, to eliminate them. And here's a, he's a rookie then, 22-year-old rookie, it's got to be a shattering, uh, you know, confidence shattering experience for him. But there he is, 16 years later, on the sidelines, making all the right moves and helping them win their first playoff, home playoff decisive game at home. Uh, and hats off to him. And the Red Bulls, you know, uh, I'm not I, the DC United's the favorite, no doubt about it. Especially when you think about uh, the history of the series, four times they've met in the playoffs, and four times DC United has come out on top. Uh, so, you know, between that and between DC's form during the year, you kind of got to go with DC. But having said that, these Red Bulls seem to be crossing off all the hexes, mm-hmm. all the curses that this club has had. First, it was no trophies, which they took care of last year. And now, right off the bat, 
their first decisive home playoff win. And what better next than to beat these United, their arch rivals? Yeah, I thought New York looked uh, outstanding on Thursday night. Really stuck to a smart game plan, stayed wide, defeated Sporting Kansas City. I'm looking forward to it, Ivis. I'm sure everyone is. D.C., New York, it's going to be awesome. Uh, moving over to the Western Conference, FC Dallas defeated Vancouver Whitecaps 2-1. to A little bit of some controversy, some people not happy with this. A handball called against... Vancouver late in the game. Ivis, look, we got to talk about that first. It was close, man. What are your thoughts? Was that even a handball? I, for me, I didn't think it was a handball. I thought the ball, uh, the ball took a, a funny hop on him, uh, and it hopped up onto him. It hopped up to his upper arm. Like, what is the guy supposed to do? I mean, it, it, it's shocking to me. It, it really is shocking to me. It wasn't like he blocked a goal or he blocked a cross. It was a bouncing ball that bounced up on him and caught him in his upper arm. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. And to make it even worse, okay, I, I, I've obviously had my comments to make about Mark Geiger uh, in past shows. Uh, you know, he's supposed to be the best ref at MLS, but yet we get game so many instances, so many games where the guy just does not get the job done. But even worse than the call. Is the, is the head of officiating coming out and saying, you know what? No, yes, that was absolutely handball. I thought it was a handball when I saw it. It was a handball, no doubt about it. And it's like, wow, really? Like, and that, that you know what? Maybe, maybe Geiger's not at fault for the struggles. Maybe, maybe this explains why Geiger can go to the World Cup and be great, but then come back to MLS and struggle. Maybe they're just getting the wrong instructions. I mean, I don't know what's going on there. I thought that, I thought that was very telling when the, when the head of the, 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 the pro, uh, professional referees organization, whatever, whatever pro snaps were, they comes forward and says, you know what, that was absolutely a penalty. I was just, bad. I was just dumbfounded by that because you you have a hard time finding many people outside of Dallas who think that was a penalty. Yeah, I was just, I mean, tough for Vancouver to go down like that too. I mean, it's just a very unfortunate this to see. I mean, because Vancouver was playing a good game up until that time, and that goal just literally seemed to like you know break their backs. It's just unfortunate that the playoff game you know gets decided like that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, yeah, not to take all the credit away from FC Dallas, you had to give them some credit. I mean, I think they, they you know, they're advancing. They did what they had to do, and and credit to Oscar Pereja because you know he made some moves that at the time looked a little questionable. You you thought maybe he was being a little risky. Plugs Mauro Diaz back into the starting lineup. He hadn't been a starter, been in the lineup since August. You got Walker Zimmerman in yeah. there, the player who a uh, player who I've rated for a long time, but a guy who's really been. Uh, held back by injury is a young central defender uh, with lots of promise. Um, he gets thrown into the fire uh, into this into this game, and you know what? The, the I think for the most part, the moves that, that Pereira tried worked. Uh, obviously, Mauro Diaz helped set up the, the the opening goal for FC Dallas, and Walker Zimmerman did well for them as well. So right now, man, FC Dallas they, they, they they're going to come out of this match with some confidence. Uh, but I still, I mean, come on, they're playing the Seattle Sounders and. Uh, I don't think many people outside of Texas are going to give them much of a chance there. Well, Ivis, the conference semifinals of the MLS Cup playoffs kick off on Saturday. On Sunday night, New York Red Bulls will be hosting D.C. United. Um, for you, when you kind of look at this matchup between these two teams, I mean, kind of what stands out for you the most, especially for New York, who seems to be picking up some momentum going into this match? What do they need to do to, to, be, able, to be able to defeat the number one seed in the Eastern Conference? Well, I think, you know, if you look at the series this year, uh, D.C. beat them twice in D.C., but um, the Red Bulls actually played pretty well. 
uh, in D.C. And then obviously uh, the Red Bulls won at Red Bull Arena more recently in that infamous uh, Mark Geiger red card to Fabiana Spindola. There he is again, Mark Geiger, being mentioned for something he shouldn't have done or a call he shouldn't have made. But um, the Red Bulls, you know what? They, they've done pretty well. They, they've done pretty well against D.C., so I think it's a, it's a closer series maybe than you would expect uh, having a one against the four. Um, but having said that, I think it's tough for the Red Bulls to have to come in on short rest. Uh, they just played tonight, Thursday night. Uh, they're going to have about two and a half days rest, and then they're going to play on Sunday uh, in their home game. And it's going to be tough. It is because uh, D.C. is very organized defensively. I think D.C. got better as the year went on defensively. I think Steve Birnbaum settled in really well, partnering with um, Bobby Boswell. So from that standpoint, I think they're going to be tough to break down. Obviously, Bill Hamid. Uh, one of the best goalkeepers in the league this year, if not the best goalkeeper in the league this year. Uh, if you get through their defense, you still have to beat him, and that's no easy task. Uh, big question mark for them, obviously, is is how does Eddie Johnson settle in? How does he, you know, combine with the other guys? Luis Silva is a big loss for them. They were really clicking with Silva in their attack, and now they now they've uh, you know obviously lost him to a hamstring injury. Uh, for the immediate future, and and while he's out, Eddie Johnson's got to step it up. They're gonna, you know, they they're gonna partner him with Fabiana Spindola, and uh, they really have to try to go at the Red Bulls uh, back four. Which, while they have been pretty tough at home, um, I don't think they're an invincible back four by any means. So, Eddie Johnson needs to step his game up. As I said last episode, and Fabian needs to step. Uh, Fabiana Spindola needs to step his game up. Um, I'd say the Red Bulls are the underdog, but. Uh, Seeing them come back the way they did on Thursday, it's hard to rule them out, and and hard it's hard not to give them some chance of pulling the upset. You know, I, I you know, and I was you know after watching New York uh, defeat Sporting Kansas City, I mean, the, kind of the one thing that really stuck out to me was kind of the absence of of Tim Cahill in the match. I mean, you know, uh, you know, subpar performance for him against Sporting Kansas City. I mean, does he get the start against DC this weekend? Well, that's a that's a big question. You know, he uh, he replaced. Uh, Peggy Lee in the starting lineup. Um, and he just didn't put, contribute much to the attack. He obviously missed that golden chance in front of net uh, early in the game. And and then you watch Louie Ndula come in to, in the second half and, and, and be a difference maker mm-hmm. and, and makes and make some really key passes. So that's the big question mark now for Mike Pecky. Um, and, you know, you have to ask yourself, maybe the short rest works in Pecky's favor in that regard where – you know, if he decides to bench Cahill, he can always uh, point to the fact that, look, Cahill, you just played, you know, X minutes. You just got started and played X minutes. Louis Andula came off the bench. He's rested. I want to put him in for the first leg. Um, you know, I, I don't know. For me, Cahill didn't. He, I don't think Cahill had a good game. I don't think many people thought he had a good game. So I don't think anyone is really going to bat an eyelash if Pecky decides to uh, to sit uh, Cahill in favor of Louis Andula, especially the way he ended that game. So. Yeah. For me, I think that would be a smart move, especially to to kind of have some fresher legs out there. Yeah, it just uh, Kale, man, it just it just really surprised me. I mean, there are times I forgot that he was in the match, and then I think, man, I can't remember the last time he had a touch in the final third. Uh, DC, though, Ivis, I mean, what do they need to be able to do to defeat uh, New York Red Bulls, who midfield looked outstanding on Thursday? I mean, what 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 is the one thing that DC is going to have to do? Do you think that will you know enable them to get a victory uh, on Sunday? Well, they have to feed their forwards, and, and not having Silva there hurts them. But they still have Chris Pagnas. They still have Nick DeLeon. They have some dynamic players on the flanks who can, who can try to go at uh, the Red Bulls. And if I'm, if I'm Ben Olsen, I want, I, want, I want a steady diet of uh, 
Chris Pontius going at their left uh, left back, um, their right back, Richard Eckersley, who you know what he's held up okay. But I think if you if you want to talk about a if you want to look for kind of a weak spot on that team, if you want to look for a guy who can maybe uh, maybe you can expose him, um, then he's a guy that I think you know whether it's uh, you know whether it's Chris, Chris Pontius if Chris Pontius starts or or if, or if they put someone else out there. Um, I know Pontius just coming back from injury, so we'll see who who they put there. But if I'm if I'm Den Olsen, I'm targeting Richard Eckersley early and often, uh, make him earn his paycheck defensively. And uh, you know, he, he if you look up the back four, right? Roy Miller for the Red Bulls has been really good, really solid. He's really kind of put it all together. So he's not a guy you want to go after. Hamas and Lave, nobody wants to have to deal with. And uh, Ibrahim Sagai has been pretty solid. I got to say, he's been he's been really he's settled in well. So. I'd say Richard Eckersley is a guy that, that you go after. And if Mike Pecky decides to rest him uh, because of the short rest and decides to play Chris Duvall, Chris Duvall then becomes the guy you want to go after. So that, that's that position for me. If, I, if I'm DC United, if you look on the Ben Olsen's chalkboard, the Red Bull right back position is the one they're going to go after. Um, so you got DC moving on? Yeah. I mean, I, it's I, uh, I'll, I'll look at history and, and I'll think of all the series that I've covered and the Red Bulls have never beaten them, and you know, even in even in years when they were the higher seed, uh, then again, maybe have they ever been the higher seed? I don't know. But they, they've uh, they just DC always finds a way, man. It's and sometimes it's it's dramatic fashion. Um, DC's played really well, and as much as I think Eddie Johnson, uh, it's a drop off from Silva to Johnson in terms of uh, the cohesion of the attack. I still think the defense is very organized, very solid. Um, and I think the fullbacks has been obviously Sean Franklin's been been playing excellent, excellently, and Taylor Kemp's settled in well at left back. So, you know what, DC's playing really well. Having said all that, if Terry Henry can squeeze out some more magic, oh, uh, and, and if Bradley Wright Phillips can keep it rolling, then they're going to make things interesting. Be, uh, because if they win this first game, then all of a sudden the pro goes on the home team in the second leg, and that's DC United. So, uh, I'm going to go with DC, but I would not be shocked if the Red Bulls find a way to break the hex that DC has had on them in the playoffs in history. Yeah, if I was DC, I mean, New York, if I was New York, I mean, with the way Henri played, just I would keep feeding him the ball. He had an outstanding game. Uh, I mean, obviously he caused so many problems for Sporting Kansas City. That's uh, the, but see, that's the thing, though. How much how much does he have left? How much is going to be able to give you on two and a half days rest? You got to remember, I know, he, you know, he got the rest in the season finale, regular season finale. Uh, he was rested in that game, but, I mean, Last night's game was pre- Thursday night's game was pretty tough. Um, so can it give you a solid 60, 70, 80 minutes? So that's gonna that's gonna be interesting to watch because they need him. They need him to really come at DC. Uh, you know his matchup with you know Sean Franklin is one of the best right backs in the league this year, but Terry Henry can can cause problems with him. Uh, so he you know what as Henry goes. So goes these. So goes the Red Bulls in this series. Uh, well, he's saying in the Eastern Conference, New England Revolution. We'll be taking on the Columbus crew. Ivis, you're going to have a few matchups to watch in this one, especially, you know, Will Trap, you know, going against uh, Lee Wynn and, and then Jermaine Jones in this match uh, as well, too. And then all the other guys in Columbus that have been stepping up, you know, Ethan Finley, Aaron Schoenfeld. Uh, for you, Columbus crew, I, I know you're pretty high on them right now. I mean, what do they need to do to be able to walk away with a victory on Saturday? Well, I think number one, obviously, is deal with Lee Wynn and really – Look to contain him. Look at the sh- look to shackle him. Tony Chani, 
will trap. They really need to try to control the midfield, keep possession, uh, keep New England from breaking out, on, getting out on the break, and having Lee win uh, go at their defense. You definitely don't want to do that. Um, but look, what I've seen from the crew is a very organized team, a very organized defense and midfield playing really well together. Um, so I think they're going to cause problems for New England. This one is a really tough series for me to call, I got to say. And, and, and if anything, I'd probably have to give the edge to New England right now um, just because I think their experience, the experience that they gained as a group in last year's playoffs when they pushed Sporting Kansas City to the brink, uh, I think for me that that learning experience gives them the edge over a Columbus team that's got a lot of guys who haven't been in the playoffs before, who haven't had – the the played in that intense environment. Obviously, some of the veterans have Michael Parker's Federico Iguain. You know, they've got guys who have that experience, but they they have a lot of guys who haven't played in the playoffs before. Ethan Finley, Tony Chani, Will Trap. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys there. So if there's it, it's these two teams, I'm telling you, they're the two they're the two teams who've come in on the best roles coming into the end mm-hmm. of the regular season. But New England has been a bit better. And New England's experience edge, I think, is why I'm going to have to go with New England. Now, having said that, man, Columbus, I really like what I've seen out of them. And I think for my money, come 2015, they're going to be they're, – they're, you're going to have to put them in a, in, in, a, in a different tax bracket in terms of title contenders. Uh, I think Burhalter with another season under his belt, I mean, they're only going to get even better. But I think this is going to have to – you have to kind of go through your steps, right? When you want to get to become a champion in this league, you have to go through your steps of getting into the playoffs – getting beat up in the playoffs, learning how to win in the playoffs, and then becoming a champion. And I think the crew, are at, they're, they're at that first step. They got into the playoffs. Now they're going to get this, this this experience in this series, and I'm sure they'll give New England all they can handle, especially in this first leg in Columbus. Um, but I think New England has a touch more experience. They've got, they were just in the playoffs last year, and I think that, coupled with Jermaine Jones and the leadership that Jermaine mm-hmm. Jones provides – I think that's why I have to give New England the edge in what's going to be for me the best series of this round. I, you know, it's 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 the one thing about New England though. You know, if you're Columbus, though, you know, you you know you're going to have to stop Lee Win. And just when you look at Ivis, the numbers that he put up for New England this year, I mean, it almost kind of makes you a little bit worried because if let's say you know Columbus is able to shut down Lee Win, let's just say they're they're able to, right? Let's just say he has a poor game, doesn't really get anything going. I mean, you kind of wonder, I mean, on New England, who's going to step up? And I feel almost at that point, if Columbus, I mean, it's easier said than done to shut down Lee Wynn, but I feel like if Columbus can find a way to shut down Lee Wynn, I think Columbus is going to win this series, Ivis. I feel like he's the one guy, because when you go to New England, I mean, who's going to step up for them? Well, you got a couple guys. You got Jermaine Jones. Uh, you got Kellen Rowe. Uh, you have uh, Diego Fagundes, who's been kind of quiet this year compared to last year, but the guy's still a talented player. And if you leave, if you if you give too much attention to some of the other guys, and you give and you free up Diego Fagundes one on one, he could cause problems. I mean, if, if you think about it, especially you know uh, they have uh, Hector Jimenez playing it right back for them, converted right back. Uh, is he going to be able to defensively deal with what Diego Fagundes can can do to a defender? Um, so there are other guys. Who can who can make some things happen? But they need look. New England need, needs Lee Wynn to make things happen. They mm-hmm. need him to attack. They need him to create. Um, so he is the star that the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, and stopping him is easier said than done. Yeah, no, it exactly is. Um, for Columbus though, I was. You know, you kind of look at them with with so many guys who step up throughout the season. You know, you kind of they don't really have like you know a go to goal scorer. You know, like you know, Robbie Keane or Obafemi Martins, guys like that. Uh, I mean, is that do you think it's going to hurt the crew in the playoffs? You know, having to have these guys continue to have career years. 
Well, I mean, they have Federico Wayne, right? He's the guy who, funny enough, towards the end of the season, he's really not had to carry them because they've had some balance. Yeah. Um, you know, with Ethan Finley and Justin Merrim and, and Tony Chani and Will Trapp. And, and you know, Schoenfeld is he's the weak link. I mean, there's no other way to say it. He has finished some chances. He's, he's got he got a couple of goals against the Red Bulls, but you know, for the most part, he uh he is the kind of the weak link there. That could hurt them. It could hurt them because you know, in in the playoffs, you can get punished for your missed chances. The Red Bulls got off. They were fortunate. They got off today. Um, uh, they got off the hook today. But you know, if you're the crew, if you're going to beat New England, you can't miss your chances. You you just flat out can't. Uh, so the pressure is on Schoenfeld. But they, I, I like what they're doing. I like the way they're moving the ball around. And that's the key to that system is that they aren't relying on one player to be the maestro and to make everything happen. They're moving the ball around as a team, as a unit. They're keeping the ball. They're circulating it front to back. They, you know, w- whether it's Waylon Francis to left back or Bernardo Anor, you're going to have somebody who can get forward on both sides of the flanks from them, uh, from the fullback spots. So they're a pretty dynamic team. Um, but it's, I still, for my money, I think they're a slight underdog going into this series. And moving over to the Western Conference, Seattle and FC Dallas will be squaring off. Uh, you know, I just one thing that stood out to me in Seattle, LA last game of the regular season was how LA's midfield was just kind of able to stop the Seattle Sounders was caused a lot of problems for that move flash forward here to FC Dallas you know it's going to be kind of that that midfield battle right there because Seattle likes to build up that way I mean is FC Dallas you know over two matches I mean do you see them being able to stop the Seattle Sounder attack with all the weapons that they have uh no I really don't I don't think FC Dallas can stop them I think they, they really don't have any other choice but turn it into a track meet and really try to make it a goal fest. Uh, they, they just don't have it. They don't have the defense. Uh, and not that Seattle's defense is, 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 a, is a juggernaut either, but I don't know. For me, I'm not, I'm not sold on FC Dallas matching up well defensively against Seattle. I just don't. I think Obafemi Martins and Clint Dempsey are a handful. I think Lamar Nagel can create palms for them as well. Uh, and obviously on the right, you know, you have Brad Evans – uh, they, they're they're just a handful. I think I think they're too much to uh, for FC Dallas to deal with, and I think we're going to see a lot of goals in this series. You know, and and I think FC Dallas is going to score some goals, but I just think they're going to let up too many to win this series. I mean, what do you think is going to be the biggest weakness though for the Seattle Sounders in this match? I mean, or do they have any? Um, obviously you got to deal with Fabian Castillo. That that that's kind of the big question mark there. How do you cope with him? Um, can your can your fullbacks contain him? Um, but you know, weakness that's, uh, well, let, let's see what's up with Chad Marshall. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I haven't heard anything definitive that he's in or out or what, but you know, when you saw him down on the turf, uh, you had to worry because the guy has a really bad history for uh, his concussion history is very worrisome. Um, here's a guy who's dead, who's missed time before. And, and you wonder what would really happen if he had another concussion. Um, if he's fine, that's a, that's big. Cause he's there. He's their guy. He's their anchor in their defense their best player. Um, but you know what? FC Dallas, they, they can cause some problems on the counter. Obviously, Castillo, uh, Blas Perez is always a handful. But I think I think when it comes down to it, they're going to be goals. I think both teams will score goals. I just think Seattle is going to score a few more goals. And in the final semifinal match, you have Real Salt Lake, LA Galaxy, Ivis, Robbie Keane is coming back for LA. That's going to be huge for them, having him uh, in the midfield being creative for them. Uh, for Real Salt Lake... I mean, how much of a chance do you give them uh, against the LA Galaxy? Well, they have a chance. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Anyone could say they don't have a chance. 
Um, you know, they with the talent that they have in their midfield and 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 they're every all over the field really. You got Nick Romano in goal. Um, so they have an they have a chance. But having said that, the LA Galaxy are my pick to win the whole thing. So they're obviously going to be my pick in this round. Um, it's going to be I think it's going to be a close series. I think it's going to be a good hard fought series. But I think the Galaxy. Uh, even though they haven't been on the best of form to close out the season. I don't, I don't think Landon Donovan's been in the best form toward the very end of the season. Uh, maybe the whole farewell, farewell tour is kind of worn him out I don't know, mentally. I don't know. Uh, and then, obviously, Robbie Keane, a couple of games before he sat, he, he, didn't, he, he didn't score. So, you know, are they struggling maybe even going into the playoffs? I don't know about that. I think they're a team that knows what it means to, to, change, to, to step it up a notch when you get to the playoffs. And I think that's what they're going to do. And I think they're going to, from that standpoint, I think they're going to be a handful. They're going to be a lot for RSL to deal with. Um, and I think they're going to win. I think their defense gives them an edge over RSL. I don't think RSL's defense is quite the lockdown defense uh, that L.A. can be when it's healthy. L.A.'s defense, I think, is really going to be a difference maker in these playoffs. And, look, you know, not that RSL's defense is a, is a pushover. When you look at the stats, I mean, they only allow two fewer goals than L.A. So, you know that that's pretty good, and, and which so they actually were second overall in the West and third and third overall in the entire league in goals allowed. So, you know what, hats off to RSL. Their defense is pretty good, but I just think LA uh, with Robbie Rogers at left back, that yeah. and the balance that they have and the balance that he gives them. Uh, I gotta go. I gotta go. LA. I gotta go. LA. Yeah, that's how I kind of feel about LA. It's just that the fact that LA, like you know Robbie Rogers has seen him, the fact that he can get up the field. I mean, we also like. I mean, nothing against Chris Chris Winger or, or Tony Beltran, who are, are outstanding outside backs. I mean, they just can't get up the field like they used to. I mean, and Robbie Rogers, I mean, having that guy come from the back, that's just another level. Um, I mean, for Real Salt Lake, you know, they're going to have to, you know, continue to rely on, you know, an aggressive attack and, and the play of Joao Plata. And what kind of, you know, what kind of impact do you think do you see him having on, on this series? Well, I think he's going to be a handful, obviously. But again, LA's defense is so good, so organized. Um, I, I know we remember early in the year when he got he, he had a great game against them. Uh, I just don't think that L.A. team was necessarily playing all that well. And I think the L.A. team now, uh, defensively especially, is much better than that team was. So I think Plata, um, he can still make some things happen, but I just don't think he's going to have the space uh, that he had against L.A. earlier in the year. Also, uh, on the positive front for Real, so it looks like Chris Schuler will be taking I – mean, sorry, he'll be available for the match this weekend – um, you know, obviously, Ivy's not playing in a few weeks. I mean, do you think that's a would be a smart move to bring in Chris Schuler? Um, you know, coming off the bench and having playing this match. If he's healthy, you got to play him. Uh, as as much as you know, Carlos Salcido has stepped in and done well. They've posted three straight shutouts, but I just think LA is a different animal. The Galaxy are a different animal. Chris Schuler has that experience. He's been great in the playoffs. If I remember correctly, he was. You could argue he was the player of the series last yeah, year was. against the ga- against the Galaxy. So. He is very important to shutting down the Galaxy attack. Um, now, to be fair, this year's Galaxy attack is more dynamic. Uh, Jesse's artist has really blossomed as, as, a, as a forward. Um, Ste- Stefan Izzizaki has been, been a big uh, help for them, big addition. Baggio, who Sidic has really stepped it up late in the year. And then Alan Gordon, a guy coming off the bench uh, who gives you some real quality. So I just think they have more weapons this time around. And uh, I got I to gotta go to Galaxy. I'm going to go with RSL. We also like Ivis. What a shock. Checks are still cashing. I watch. Watch. <laughs> watch. Robbie Finley is going to come off the bench and score three goals. See, you could have just said one. And even, <laughs> and even that, and even that would have been, 
Even that would have been a bit of a head scratch. Exactly. Right. That, exactly. That's why you got to go big on something like that. Well, you know what? I think Alvaro Sabrio and uh, Omar Gonzalez have a nice battle. Yeah. Um, Pl- Plata, Aj De La Garza be running around chasing each other. Um, and then, yeah, you could have a Finley come on. Sebastian Jaime also is kind of you know the new addition for them. Who's who's uh, you know, want to see him you know contribute? But I don't know, man. I think RSL. They could win the series. I'm not saying they can't, but I just I don't know, man. I just see LA. I, it's it's Landon Donovan's farewell tour. The guy's got to at least get to MLS Cup, right? No, he can't he go out. No, he, he can't. Doesn't. He can't go out in the first round. I just don't see it. I think he's going to step it up. I think he's been kind of. He, he, uh, he, I, he's been on cruise control a bit. He has. But I think, I think once the playoffs, co- hey, we're talking about a guy who's won five MLS Cups. Five. Only players won that many alongside him. Uh, is Jeff Agus, the only other guy with five. So uh, you got to respect the guy who's won five MLS Cups, who knows what it means to, to step it up uh, when it's all on the line. And I think he's going to do that. I think he's going to I think he's going to have a big playoff. Eh, I, I could see how you think Landon Donovan has a big playoff. I, I don't know, Ivis. I don't, I don't think he's going to. You see, I know, I know you're not a big Donovan fan. That's but, not uh, true. That's not true. I just, <laughs> yeah, I just did not think he played very well against Seattle. And... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like anything I say bad about Donovan, the Galaxy fans are gonna be like, "Gary's an idiot." Galaxy fans, Galaxy slash and U.S. national team fans, who still are upset about your conclusions been leaving them off. Um, but no, nah, man, I, I you know what? I think here's a guy who, as they got toward the end of the season, throttled it down. I think he throttled it down. He's been in this situation enough. He wants to save himself a bit. They're gonna be in the number two seed. They're gonna lock it down. There's no point in overextending yourselves. Uh, just to be the one, and uh, I think I think you're going to see him step it up. I think he's going to turn it up a couple of notches and show us one last time, one last uh, tournament, one last uh, playoffs, the Landon Donovan that we've all come to expect. And speaking of the Galaxy on Thursday, Ivis, they and the rest of us all learned who's going to be owning the new LA franchise. We kind of learned a little bit of the plans of what they're going to do, but uh, the, re- the the initial reaction uh, I think it has to be a positive one with the, when you see who who owns this new LA team. I mean, you got a lot of lot of powerful people. Um, looks like it's going to have a lot of money. I mean, you have to have some optimism that that you know the first step of this has gone pretty well for the announcement of the new LA team. Right. Well, I mean, none of the actual heavy lifting has taken place yet. None of the con- actual putting together the team has happened yet. All we know now is we have a sense of who the owners are or who the group is that that are that is involved in, and there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of really highly successful people there. A lot of people in the sports business uh different you know they're in different sports but a lot of highly successful people uh and there seems to be some really good energy out of that group and and when you see guy someone like Magic Johnson involved yeah. uh, Mia Ham, Nomar Garcia Para um, it, it, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting because, you know, for the longest time you had Chivas USA and you had owners who, who just didn't seem all that, I don't know, involved or all that intelligent about how, how to approach the market. And now you've got a really vibrant group. And and it's funny. It, it, yes. I mean, it's a lot of people, right? It, it's <laughs> it is weird. a, lot, it I mean, is a I, lot of people. I kept, I kept waiting for it to stop. Like, they were introducing every single person. And after a while, I'm like, wow, like, who isn't going to show up here? Um, but you know what? W- it, within that group, there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of intelligent people. There's a lot of money. So, you know, it, it's it's great. To th- it's, it's scary to think, scary in a good way, to think about what that group can do 
when they pulls when they when it pulls it re, its resources together. And uh, it, I think they're really gonna pose a threat to the galaxy in terms of dominating that city, dominating that market. Because yes, the galaxy they have the history, the tradition. They've won the championships. They've established themselves already. But it's tough to stay on top. Landon Donovan's retiring. Robbie Keane's not getting any younger. And now you've got to replenish those positions. And then you got an LA team, another LA team coming along with intelligent owners with deep pockets uh, and a real chance to, to grab a piece of LA away from the Galaxy. Uh, two things. They have Tony Robbins as one of the owners. I mean, could you imagine what those motivational speeches are going to be like before every game? Yeah, man. Or during, or during halftime or at the end yeah. of the game. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you don't know. Coach doesn't even have to give the speech. Just no, I know. Yeah, just bring it Tony Robbins. Uh, second thing, though, you know, it almost seems like it's too many cooks in the kitchen, though. I mean, having this many people own the team and you know all these people, you know, they're they're leaders. I mean, they, these you know some of these people don't they don't listen to other people. You know, not that they don't want to. It's just they're so successful. I mean, it almost seems like there's too many people owning this team. I was. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I think all these people are all multitaskers. They they have their. They have their uh, hands in a lot of different ventures, and I think if, in order for anybody, anybody that's involved in multiple ventures, uh, you've got to be able to, you know, to trust other people, uh, trust people that you work with uh, to to get the job done. And obviously, they, you know, I think you have the main owners, uh, and they're. I mean, I think it's pretty clear they're going to be the ones with the most hands-on involvement. But then you're going to have that pool of minority owners who. Uh, you know they, they're gonna call on and lean on to, to to offer some financial muscle, but I don't think anyone expecting Tony Robbins to want to meddle and and tell them to go sign players or, or Magic Johnson or anything like that. I don't think we're gonna see that. I don't think you have. I know it's a little scary when you have a guy like Vincent Tan, who who who's a bit of a notorious owner in the UK, obviously with Cardiff City and the the bit of a disaster that he's turned that into, but. Uh, again, I think you have your 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 two or three guys who are really the kind of figureheads, the real kind of the true owners, so to speak, and then you have that kind of you know supplementary group of of, of minority owners who you know I, I I wouldn't worry too much about them. I think they I think they do provide some some clout and muscle to the ownership group, but I don't know if that's going to be I don't I don't think it's going to be too much of a problem. Uh, well, with the new LA team now sitting out two years, so subtracting that franchise and then obviously adding in Orlando City and NYCFC, uh, I was yet to have a conference realignment and moving over to the Western Conference is Sporting Kansas City in the Houston Dynamo. Yes, I think the you know everyone's going to say the East is closing the gap, but just for right now, Ivis, I mean, moving Sporting Kansas City over to the Western Conference makes it so much tougher. Well. See, you know, I like how you just dis- just dismiss the idea of, of Eastern Conference teams closing the gap. And, and, and who's saying this? I said it. I said it before the show. And I told you, in my opinion, I know it's the easy answer to say, oh, Sporting Kansas City moving west is completely in, uh, unbalancing what's an already unbalanced uh, set of conferences. Um, but I think that's a little short-sighted. These things go in cycles. And I think, if anything, that right now the Eastern Conference is, in, is getting to a point where we can see it shift and have a bit more of a balance with the, with, with the Western Conference. I mean, truth be told, just even looking at this year, okay, you got Seattle and LA, two absolute juggernauts, right? But then beyond that, I mean, the rest of those teams are pretty much on the same level as the teams in that same range in the, in the East. I mean, you, don't have, you have Seattle and LA as the two powerhouses in the West. 
DC United was a very good team. They only had two fewer points than LA this year. Uh, but then you have New England and Columbus, two very young teams, uh, very talented teams that are on the rise. And for my money, they're they're on the a sharper incline in in their progressions than it, and than any teams in the in the West. I mean, you could argue Vancouver uh, has got a nice young nucleus. You can point to FC Dallas as having quite a bit of young talent. But for me, Columbus and New England are really on the rise. D.C. has turned things around considerably. Um, and then NYCFC, for my money, I think they're going to hit the ground running. Dude, are they going to make the playoffs in year one? No, I don't. You've got to see what the roster looks like first before you start saying that. But I think they're going to be – I don't think they're going to be a pushover in year one by any means. Um, but then And then you have Toronto FC and Philly, two teams who had talent. But, you know, whether it was the coaching or, or whatever – uh, didn't quite put it together, but there's a lot of talent there. So for my money, I think I think the East is going to be all right. I, I think Sporting Kansas City, yes, for 2015, uh, yeah, you could definitely make an argument that the West is, is going to be clearly tougher than the than the uh, than the East. But I tell you what, beyond that though, I, I'm not I'm not assuming anything because I think teams like New England and Columbus and potentially Philly could really just continue. Uh, con- Beyond the upswing, because I think for me Philly, I think is a is a team that could, depending what happens this winter, they could be in the mix next year. And uh, a bit of bad news for the Portland Timbers: uh, Diego Valeri is going to be out five months. Ivis, he's going uh, under surgery for a torn ACL. When you kind of go from now five months, that means he'll be back probably March, April. So for the beginning of the Portland Timbers season, uh, you know, and you want to wish him a speedy recovery. It's just tough to see him uh, have to get surgery in the offseason. Right. I mean, it's devastating, obviously. A torn ACL uh, at the very end of the season. I mean, let's not forget Rodney Wallace was in a similar situation uh, and he didn't come back right away. I think five months is a little ambitious. I mean, I don't know the degree of the of the ACL tear. Um, so, you know, it could be minor, it could be major. Um, five months seems pretty light. I think usually six to nine is the is the timetable for ACL. So, uh, and you don't want to rush it back. This is an injury you do not want to rush back. So, um, it's a big blow for uh, for Portland. And and uh, you know you want to see how long he's out and uh, if he comes back and can be the same player that he showed uh, once again. I mean he's been great since he got there. Two outstanding seasons for them. And also, more Portland news, Steve Zekawani announced that he's retiring at uh, 26. Um, you know, injuries you know, kind of made the main reason why he's retiring. Obviously, you know, he's a guy, you know, he's kind of wonder. I mean, what his career could have been. Still a good player, uh, but, you know, kind of sad to also see him uh, leave the game of soccer at 26 years old. Right. I mean, it's it's unfortunate. You know, when you get an injury like he, he ended up with such a devastating injury, the, uh, the, the tackle by Brian Mullen that broke his leg. He obviously was never the same since then, and it's crazy. It's a, it's definitely it's sad and, and depressing in a way to to think about where his game was right before that injury. I mean, he was playing really well. He was one of the more one of the more exciting young players in the league before the injury, and and it's just it's just crazy, man, just to see how quickly it, it can all be taken away. Um, you know, he tried it for a couple of years and never quite was never quite right. Uh, pain's always been an issue there. His, his leg just never really healed properly. Uh, and it's unfortunate. It really is because you, you're just scared to think. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, you know, if he had stayed on the track he was on, I mean, I don't know how close he is to citizenship yet, but he's a guy who could have been playing for the U.S. national team at one point um, as, a, as an exciting, speedy winger, someone you could put on the flanks to go at people. Um, 
the U.S. needs those kind of players. I mean, there's a reason Jurgen Klinsmann is down in NASL taking a look at Miguel Ibarra because, you know what, they need speedy guys. They need speedy flank players. And, you know what, Zakawani could have been one of those guys. And it's, 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 it's sad. There's no other way to say it. Hopefully he finds, uh, you know, finds a new, a new kind of mission in life, uh, a new thing to kind of drive him and, and, and interest him and motivate him. So uh, it, it's just it's, it's, it's sad. That's no other way to say it. And there was a little bit of player news this past week. Orlando City went out and uh, traded for Houston Dynamo goalkeeper Tally Hall. And what do you make of this move by, uh, by Orlando City bringing in Tally Hall? Uh, well, have they formally announced it yet? I think they have, right? Well, I mean, I know Tally Hall pretty, pretty much confirmed it, but um, it's a, it's a good move for them. I mean, I think Houston, you could you got a sense uh, after he tore his ACL when you saw Tyler Derrick play so well for them that, uh, you know what, Tally Hall's time is up there. And uh, I think if you're Orlando to get a veteran goalkeeper like Tally Hall, a proven commodity, I think is huge. And obviously they made the, from apparently according to reports, they made the deal before he tore his ACL. Uh, and obviously they honored the deal and then they, they stuck with it uh, or they're sticking with it. Um, but he's a guy, I think Tally Hall's a great, a great kind of building block for an expansion team. I mean, he's a guy who can win you games. He's a guy who can organize defense. And mm-hmm. I think, I think it's a good pickup. Um, it is interesting though, because I think they're going to be some, some really intriguing goalkeeper prospects in the expansion draft. So if you're on one side, you have the NYCFC who has Josh, Josh Saunders, who they've put out on loan to San Antonio and who we're talking about a guy who's won MLS Cup before as a starter for the LA Galaxy. Um, you figure he'll be your number one. So both expansion teams will probably go into uh, the expansion draft already knowing who they're or already having a good idea who their number ones are in an expansion draft that's going to have some talent and goal. I mean, I think Zach McMath could be in the expansion draft. I think uh, New York Red Bulls backup Ryan Mira is is in the expansion draft. I think he's someone who the NYCFC absolutely could take a look at. Uh, it's easy to forget that here's a guy who was, you know, on his way to a rookie of the year uh, bid and a potential national team call up before the injuries, before having to have hip surgery and before being sidelined. Uh, and he's kind of been out of the picture, but he's a talent. And you know what? He might be he might be someone who gets grabbed up. Having said that, though, um, you know, it, it, it probably makes it a little easier if you're Orlando. You don't have to worry about a goalie. Now you can focus on the other uh, mm-hmm. need area, the other areas of need that you have. Uh, well, that you know, the trade won't happen until December first when the uh, when the trade window opens. So it's not official yet, but uh, December first is when it will become official. Uh, moving over to the international front, Ivis awards came out for FIFA this week uh, for individual awards. Abby Wambach, Upper FIFA Women's World Player of the Year. I think that comes as no surprise. Then you have the FIFA World Coach of the Year. And guess who's there? Jurgen Klinsmann, which might be a little suspect. I think there's some other guys that are worthy candidates. But, uh, I mean, still, I mean, look, if you're a U.S. fan, it's still pretty cool to see that Jurgen Klinsmann's on the short list for the FIFA World Coach of the Year. Right. I mean, there, it definitely was a head-scratching uh, announcement when they made it and you saw the list and you're looking at all the names and they're all legit. They're all they all got solid credentials. And then you have Jurgen Klinsmann who – I gotta say, is tenth on that list when you want to talk about the credentials for the award and and and, and his chances, and not just that. Not only is he, for my money, the tenth person on that list, but there are at least two guys that I can think of who should have been ahead of him on that list. Number one, without question, Jorge Luis Pinto, the Costa Rica manager. He leads Costa Rica to the. Not only do they win a group that featured England, Uruguay, and Italy, 
And then he, but then he takes him to the quarterfinals where they lose to the Netherlands in penalties. So they pushed the Dutch, even though obviously the Dutch completely overwhelmed them, dominated them. They couldn't get a goal in, but still, you're, you're, he took Costa Rica to within penalty kicks of the World Cup semifinals. Costa Rica. Yeah. How in the world does that guy not get more credit? And you know what? I think it comes down to name recognition. I think I think a lot of the voters uh, and the voters are consisting of, of head coaches and national teams and captains and national teams. I just think a lot of these guys have no idea who Jorge Luis Pinto is or you know the Costa Rica manager is. So you know what? They know Klinsman. They know the name. Uh, you know they they know you know he's a big personality. He's, he's a funny guy, nice guy, all that. And I think from that standpoint, it's a bit of a popularity contest. Now I wrote a column for Gold.com about this very topic, and you know one, one thing I pointed out was the fact that. Uh, none other than Diego Simeone, who, for my money, should win the award. Now, if you take Atletico, Atletico Madrid and you take them, you win La Liga, and you get to the Champions League final with Atletico Madrid. I'm sorry, you are the manager of the year. No offense to Yogi Lowe, no offense to you know anyone else up 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 for it. You are the manager of the year. Uh, no offense to Carlo Ancelotti, uh, any of these guys. You are for me. He's the manager of the year. And none and and Diego Simeone had high praise for Jurgen Klinsmann. Uh, Simeone, when the World Cup was over, when he named his team of the tournament, when he named his best eleven of the tournament, and he named his coaches. He named two coaches. He named Yogi Lowe, who won the World Cup, and he named Jurgen Klinsmann. And I, you know, I have a lot of respect for Diego Simeone on his opinion. And from that standpoint, it makes me wonder: Are we? Were we? You know, do we not give Klinsmann enough credit? And maybe do. <laughs> People outside of the U.S. give them more credit. Uh, so that it's an interesting question, right? There's no way to know. Um, but I think for me, a guy like Simeone, who I respect tremendously as a manager, when he steps up and he gives Klinsman praise for the way the U.S. played in the World Cup, then that kind of opens – that sheds some light in my book into how you can have people vote for Klinsman, even though I think Pinto was more deserving. And I also think Jose Peckerman was more deserving, the manager of Columbia national team. I mean, you get Colombia to the yeah. quarterfinal. You're, you get Colombia. They were the most entertaining team in the group stage. They dominated. Uh, and then, you obviously, you play Brazil, and then you get beat. But you know what? They were one of the most fun teams to watch, played some of the best soccer. Uh, a real exciting team got them to the quarters. How do you not? How does he not get consideration? So, I don't know. You know, so, I don't know. I, I think, for me, I would have voted for Pinto. But Klinsman's on there. He's not going to be a finalist. He's not going <laughs> to. He's not going to win. Imagine if he's a finalist, though. Oh, my god! That would be so shocking. It would be absurd. Um, but, and look, I'm not trying to kill the guy. I think he's done a better job than some people give him credit for. I think it's unfair when people try to, uh, you know, look at where he took the team and compare it to 2010 as if they were as if they went the exact same roads, the exact same paths. Uh, they just they didn't. They didn't go. The U.S. in 2014 was in a tougher group. And yes, the group of death in 2014 ended up not being as strong as expected, but that group was still tougher than the 2010 group. Belgium was still a tougher team than 2010 Ghana was, in my money, in my opinion. Um, so you know what? I, I think it's it's way too simplistic to say, oh well, we got to the round of 16 this year. We got the round of 16 in 2010. It's the same thing. No progress. No anything. I think that's a load of bull, personally. But it's still. Pretty shocking that he made the list. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, uh, I mean, like I said, cool to see him on there. Part of you kind of hopes that, you know, sort of the job that Jurgen has done, which, you know, he has taken the U.S. to another level, you know, another plateau since 
since taking over for Bob Bradley. But I mean, the other hand, you're right. I mean, it's kind of like, oh man, was this a popularity contest? I mean, what other know. level? What other level, Garrett? That's what that's what you get a lot of people asking. What's this other level that the U.S. is at now? I think it is. I think with the the positive contributions that Jurgen's had to the U.S. side, I, I think that's been positive to see since he's taken over. Uh, I mean, the U.S. made back-to-back group stages. Yes, I understand. I mean, our path was a little bit tougher. Um, but, I mean, I mean, without a doubt, I mean, Jurgen Klinsmann has, has definitely take the, taken the program to another level. I mean, the program hasn't regressed since he's taken over, or it hasn't just stayed the same. I mean, it's, it's taken a step forward. How? In what way? In the way I just said. I mean, you have... You, you, didn't, con- you didn't say anything. You talked about said. the youth teams. What, the, what did he do with the youth teams? What, it's, what, it's, what, it's, what have the youth teams done better on Jurgen Klinsmann? Like, I, I no, hear no, it's not the youth teams. I'm just saying that what, how he wants to see the youth moving forward. I mean, you see the results that we've had in Europe defeating some of... I mean, scheduling tough opponents. I mean, that wasn't stuff that we saw in the past. You know, U.S. defeating Italy in Italy. U.S. defeating Mexico in Mexico. I mean, positive wins like that. You know, the comeback win against Bosnia, you know, tying Russia on the road in a draw. I mean, I think there's a lot of there things that Jurgen has done. I mean, he, he, so he, he's the king of friendlies, is what you're telling me. The guy's <laughs> oh, absolute God. king of friendlies. Nice. <laughs> the U.S., king of all friendlies. Klinsman has taken us to the promised land. No, look, look I'm explaining that. Look, look, look. The, ultimate, the ultimate troller today. And, like, you're putting hey. me in the hot seat. Like, I'm like, hey, I'm listen, gibberish. man. I want you. Look. Listen, I just want to let the public know. I just wanted to let you have your opportunity to kind of flex your muscles right. as as a soccer analyst. Because, you know, I know a lot of people give you stick. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, Garrett doesn't get to speak his mind or he doesn't have anything to say. <laughs> I do Does find Garrett bring anything to the conversation? I thought you made a pretty good argument there for, for Jurgen Klinsmann. Th- thanks, so I just I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of show that, you know what, you know some stuff. You know what you're talking about. You you, you have good opinions. So, uh, so like, I, I, I know some people are going to listen and be like, oh, man, I, this is killing Klinsmann, blah, blah, blah. I was just playing devil's advocate there. I think Klinsmann <laughs> I know you suck. <laughs> I think Klinsmann's done a good job. I do. But uh, I don't know. I think some people get a little carried away sometimes with giving him way more credit than, than he deserves. I really do. I think he, he's, he's, he's a real master of, of painting this picture of a guy who's doing so much. When I know he's done okay, but I don't think he's done nearly as much as he would like people to think he's done. No, I, I agree. I mean, it's not like he, you know, in my opinion, he didn't take, you know, five, ten steps forward. I mean, it's, you know, it's been a solid, at least, you know, a step forward in the right direction. Um, it's keeping it U.S. men's national team. Related, Michael Bradley underwent successful foot surgery. Obviously, no timetable for his return, but obviously, wish him a speedy recovery. And uh, I mean, look, this foot thing. I mean, do you think this is something that's been affecting his play, and that's kind of how we've seen him take a dip in his performance for Toronto FC and for the U.S.? Well, I think it couldn't have helped, right? I mean, I think it's something that he's probably been nagging him. And here's and he's a guy. He's he's a tough guy. You know, he's not a guy who's gonna let people know what's going on. You know, he probably played with an injury, played with it. It probably hampered him, slowed him down a bit. Um, uh, how could it not? I mean, if you need, if you played with it, you need surgery on it. It could, you couldn't have been a hundred percent. And I knew something was up with him. I mean, I said it, I think I said it after the, after the Ecuador friendly um, that, you know, he looks like a guy who needs a break and he, you know, I think he's, I still think he does. I mean, he needed the surgery, but I still think he's a guy who could also use some time off. He can use time off. Graham Zussi could use time off. Matt Beasler can use time off, and they're all going to get it now because they've all been—they're all out of the playoffs right now. So um, it's good for them. They're going to have at least a month, maybe actually two months now, if you, if you think about it, um, excluding call-ups if they if they even come in for the call-ups. But if I'm Jurgen Klinsmann, man, and this is kind of a little off the topic here, if I'm Jurgen Klinsmann, obviously Michael Bradley's recovered from surgery. You're not going to call him in, but. 
I'm letting Graham Zussi and I'm letting Matt Beasler get some rest. I let them take the next month to six weeks off, then maybe have them go train somewhere, have them come into the January camp. Those guys need a break. Matt Beasler uh, is just crawling to the finish line and just is a shell, looks a shell of his his, his best. Uh, and it's unfortunate. I mean, it's just been a tough year, obviously. A lot of games to play. Um, but, yeah, no, for Bradley, I, I, I've been saying it. I want to see a healthy and rested Michael Bradley, and, and we'll see that next season. And I think he's going to really step it up next year and really show why Toronto FC paid all that money for him. Uh, I'll go Bradley's uh, club coach, Greg Vanny, over at Toronto FC. Ivis uh, pretty much said that, you know, in so many words, that Klinsman and Bradley don't see eye to eye on Bradley's best position. I mean, dude, Greg Vanny firing shots at Jurgen Klinsman. I mean, what's going on with this? Yeah, I don't know if it's firing shots. It's, just an, <laughs> it's an opinion. He stated an opinion. He doesn't think that they, they agree, and maybe he's right, right? I mean, he probably knows better than most. Um, and it's an interesting question, right? Because here's here, here's the thing: Klinsman has used him as a has tr- experimented with Bradley in an advanced role. Obviously, he mm-hmm. used him in the World Cup uh, in that role. He didn't really do well with it. He used him before the World Cup, and he looked good there. I mean, I still remember that that Mexico game when Michael Bradley was pulling the strings. He scored a goal. He was he was just all over. He played in the top of the diamond and looked outstanding. But then the World Cup happens, and obviously it didn't go well. Uh, he had, you know, Josie Altador's injury forced him to play in a in a position that, you know, it 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 didn't look it didn't look like a natural fit for him, right? But so now you have Klinsman who who thinks Bradley should be a ten, and then you have what I feel is a lot of U.S. fans who feel Michael Bradley should be a six. He should be a defensive midfielder. He should sit in front of the defense and 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 be that kind of destroyer. That, that guy who kind of protects the back four. I think that's wrong also. I think that's even more wrong. Because I don't think – I think if you put him in that kind of position, I think you're really limiting a lot of the things that he does well. I think he pa- his passing, uh, you know, the passing that he can give you, I think I, – I don't – I'm not saying he's a playmaker. But I also don't think he's a defensive midfielder. I think he's more of a, a box-to-box yeah, guy. Yeah, he's a – Michael Bradley's a box-to-box midfielder. Right, he's a central midfielder. He's a guy who, yes, he can cover a lot of ground. He, you know, obviously at the World Cup, he was one of the, I think, one of the tournament's leaders in grounds cut and ground covered. But he also he passes well, passes so well, he combines. Um, so for me, he no, I don't think he, you could argue both are wrong. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think Klinsman's uh, been trying to shoehorn him in as a playmaker just because there's no other real pure playmaker. Um, and and maybe yeah, maybe he is kind of a little out of position. Um, but I don't think he's a six either. I don't think he's a pure defensive midfielder. I've never thought that. I've never thought that's really a position that, that suits him. Now, on the other side of that coin, you have a guy like Mix Discarude, who, you know, I almost feel like it's because the guy has beautiful hair and a nice smile. He must be a playmaker. He must be because he just looks he looks too good to be a box-to-box player or, or a defensive midfielder. Dude, he looks like a playmaker. It, but I was, if, if, you, if you look good, you play good. That's all well and good. But he is not a playmaker. He's not a true playmaker. He's a guy who can play centrally, uh, who's really improved the defensive side of his game in the middle of the field. But he is not going to play in the top. He's not going to play at the top of the diamond uh, against high-level competition. He just is not. And for me, I feel like he's played some of his best games when he's played in a deeper role. So from that standpoint, is he a ball-winning guy? No. But he's a guy who, if you sit him deep, he can combine. He can be that kind of 
you know, that link between the defense and the and, and the attack. Uh, he looks so confident on the ball. He's moving so well on national team duty that I see him in that role, but I do not see him as a playmaker. And I know there's there's this contingent of fans who swear up and down that he's that makes this group a playmaker. I just don't see it. Well, because he's had a few moments where you've kind of been, huh? You know, uh, the assist. I uh, know I think it was the score against Russia. I believe then he had an assist in another match. I mean, there's, there's moments where mix does look promising, but but I agree. I mean, Michael Bradley. You know, I think he's best when he's able to drop at certain times in the match, and I think he's best when he's able to contribute the, to the attack. So, I, look, I tell you what, I would play the two of them together. You know, I would go four two three one. I play the two of them together, uh, and then you you put Dempsey above them, and then you put Josie Altador above above them, and there you go. You play those three guys, uh, let them rotate, because um, you know what, Kyle Beckerman is a is is a is a unique case of a guy who can really just be that defensive midfield anchor that you can just have do all the dirty work and and there's I don't really see anyone like him mm-hmm. uh on the immediate horizon so in, in lieu of of that and 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 failing the the the, the emergence of a guy like that then I think you're going to have to toy with the 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 idea of having multiple guys who can be box to box guys and I think both this group and Bradley can be those guys and I think at a certain point Klinsman's going to have to look at what he has and he's going to have to say to himself, well, you know, Michael Bradley too advanced isn't necessarily great. And mix this group too deep isn't really great. So let me play him in, in like pretty even uh, and play him in a 4-2-3-1 or in a 4-3-3 diamond with a 4-3-3 with them in Dempsey uh, as a kind of a creator playing under playing behind uh, a, uh, a trio of Altador up top. And then some speedsters on the flank, whether it's Yedlin on the right, Green on the left, Jow on the right. Yeah, I like uh, Jow on the right and Yedlin on the left. Uh, Yedlin's not gonna be on the left. Come on, he's not. He's not left footed. That's 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 a non-starter. Um, well, Julian Green or Alejandro Bedoya. Alejandro Bedoya has shown he's he's got the he, he's got the versatility. But the point is, back to the main point. Uh, I you, as much you can want to do the diamond, you can want to play the diamond. But if you don't have the players to play the diamond. You need to put that one away. You need to put that uh, back on the shelf. Wait for some guys to emerge so, uh, from the youth national team ranks who have the chops to be the tip of the diamond and the and the base of the diamond. And right now, you know what? They they don't have those players. Uh, well, speaking of Alejandro Bedoya, Ivis looks like uh, he and contract negotiations with this club not have uh, haven't gone so well. On the possibility that he may be leaving that French side. Uh, if he does, I mean, I was, what, what do you think would be a good move for him? Should he stay in Europe? There's a part of me that's like, oh, he should come to MLS. Then I was like, no, 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 he needs to stay in Europe. I mean, what, what options do you think Bedoya has in front of him right now? Well, I think he's got plenty. I mean, I think he he he, he had a decent enough showing at the World Cup. Uh, he's got a year and a half on his deal. I, you know, I had a chance to talk to his agent, and he told me that you know there are there are teams interested. So I, I think if you're if you're not and uh, you're you have a guy who's probably going to sign a pre-contract in the summer, uh, you want to sell him while you can. And usually, the way it works is the last chance to really kind of recoup a good transfer fee on a guy is a year when they have a year and a half left on their deal. And this is exactly where what he has left. He has a year and a half left on his deal. Um, he's been he started seven of eleven games for them. He had a bit of a hamstring injury lately that's kept him out. But you know he's been a starter for them, and and they've they've had a pretty good season so far in the French league. But you know what? If you're not and you need to try to make some money off of them, January is the time to do it. And uh, it is a little scary 
if you're a U.S. fan, when one of the few guys, one of the only guys, arguably the only guy, yeah, who's starting regularly in a top European league now might make a move, uh, it kind of leaves you a little disheartened. But at the same time, I think I don't think he's going to end up. At, I think if he does go, I think he's going to go to a pretty decent team. Uh, some good news on the injury front: Terrence Boyd and Aaron Johansson are back for their clubs. Obviously, that's also a big possibility that they could. We, you know, you'd like to see them called up to the national team in November for those friendlies. Uh, but having both these players back in full swing, I mean, looking towards the future, obviously, these are guys who the U.S. are going to need to step up. So it's good to see them recovering from the injuries and back on the field. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, obviously, you got a guy like Terrence Boyd who missed out on the World Cup. I'm sure he's anxious to get back into the conversation, into the mix uh, for the national team. And then you have a guy like Aaron Johansson who apparently was playing, uh, who was at the World Cup with an injury, and he made the team with an injury. Um you want to see these guys healthy, and you want to see how you can kind of fit them in the system, uh, and if they can compete uh, with the the current kind of incumbent starters, and, and see who they can challenge. And I really want to get a look at Boyd. I want to see Boyd, you know, get some games now with his team, his new team, Leipzig. Obviously, he got injured just you know just starting out with his new team in the in Bundesliga too. Uh, but it's great that those guys are back. And I tell you what, for me, the guy who's coming back, who's also about to come back this weekend, is Danny Williams. I mean, here's mm-hmm. a guy. Before he got injured, before he had the knee injury in the spring, was playing really, really well for Reading. He had he was helping Reading uh, help Reading get into the kind of promotion uh, playoff zone. They were near the top five, at or near the top four, top five, and then he had the knee injury and it sidelined him. But when you look at Jermaine Jones possibly moving to center back, Kyle Breckman, you know, getting up in age now and not really necessarily being an option for for the future, Danny Williams is in a great position. To you know, step in there and really challenge a guy like Alfredo Morales, who I think is kind of taken is 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 filled that void and looks like he could be the next guy to try to uh, provide some depth in def- in defensive midfield. So um, it's great to see these guys coming back and and you want to see because look, let's face it, the Americans abroad contingent uh, has been kind of skimpy, especially in Europe. Uh, there's not a lot of guys playing regularly, so it's good to hear that these guys are back. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy how like. Minuscule it is now. When it was a year and a half ago, almost everyone was in Europe. Uh, moving back to the home front, obviously we talked about this. Reports came out. It looks like it's finally official. Raul has signed with the New York Cosmos. Uh, you know, nice bringing over the Spanish legend. You know, great opportunity for a lot of U.S. fans to see him. And uh, I mean, look, that's that's a pretty big signing by the Cosmos. You know, especially on the name recognition standpoint. Right. I mean, he's a legend. He's one of the. Uh, most famous players, one of the most accomplished players in recent memory in the last quarter century. Uh, but you you want to see what he has left, obviously. And uh, I, what I thought was an impressive part of this whole deal is the fact that he is going to take on a role in the Cosmos Youth Academy. Once he retires as a player, he will, it sounds like, take on a leadership role with the Youth Academy. And that's huge because if you can have young American players learning from a legend like Raul, I mean that, that's I mean that, that's only positive, right? That's only positive, and, and I think it's funny. You're obviously going to have some people point to the fact that oh, he was playing in Qatar, he's in retirement mode, and now he's coming to play for the Cosmos. He's just taking a payday. You know what? It's all well and good, but the fact that he has committed himself uh, to also helping out on the youth academy front, I mean, it seems to me like this is a guy who really wants to make a mark away from the or off the field. You know, I think he's already looking to that. Uh, part of his life and i think that's that's exciting if you're a co- if you're a fan of american soccer it's not just a cosmos thing it's not just cosmo fans i think 
you know, when you can have a player like that, uh, such an accomplished player like that, want to be a part of the American development system, I mean, that's huge. That's huge. So I think for me, that's almost as impressive as even getting Raul, the legendary Spanish player, onto the field. I love how people always go to the, uh, oh, he's just getting a payday type thing. I mean, someone's going to pay him all over the world. I don't get why people do that, especially when a lot of these guys come over and still show that they can play at high levels. can never understand that, Ivis. Uh, that ends today's SBI show. Uh, I mean, do we miss anything? I think we've covered all the bases. Yeah, I think we got a lot. I mean, uh, I'm sure we're missing stuff. We um, Was there European soccer to talk about? Did we miss any? No, not this week, right? It was pretty light. Um, no, it was pretty, we, we, we covered a lot of different topics. Uh, big, big, uh, a big weekend. Weekend this past weekend, uh, past week, on the TV front, we had the uh, series finale of Boardwalk Empire. Uh, I, I know you don't watch it, Garrett, but for those who watch Boardwalk Empire, I would say the last season was a somewhat disappointing. But I thought the last episode had. I thought the ending. I won't spoil it, but I thought the ending was was a nice, uh, nice way to kind of tie it all together. Um, and then we obviously had The Walking Dead, which is off to a great start, uh, a great season, man. I, I, I know you're, I know you love The Walking Dead. So, what, what do you think of the last episode? Dude, it was awesome. So far, the season has been great. We're not going to spoil it. We're not going to spoil it. But yeah, if you're, if you're not, if you're not already watching Walking Dead, I recommend you watch it. And if you're just not into gore, then uh, yeah, then you probably should. Stay I'm away. also enjoying the uh, the new Rick. I like, I like the way he's been. All right, we're going to stop. We're, we're going to get any more spoilers. That's, that's what I'm saying. I like the way he's been. That could be anything. <laughs> nice. Uh, but, yeah, man, I think it's, uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I've, and for obviously for for you guys, uh, you folks, guys and gals who are listening still, the, uh, there's plenty of, of soccer this weekend uh, on TV to watch, and, and make sure you check out SBI's uh, post, uh, posting on this week's uh, this weekend soccer on TV. Uh, you've got man the Manchester Derby is this weekend. You never want to miss that. And then you have Bayern Munich versus Borussia Dortmund. And I know Dortmund's off to an awful, awful start in the Bundesliga. They've lost four in a row. But it's still Bayern Dortmund. And it's still a game that I think Dortmund's going to get up for. And I still think they have the weapons to make it interesting. So if you happen to have Gold TV, I recommend you watch that. And I also recommend you watch the MLS playoffs because I think there's going to be some good matches. you got to find a way to watch Crew Revs. I think that's going to be the most exciting. I've said it a million times already. That's going to be for me the most exciting series. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the MLS playoffs this weekend. Both game actually, both games have been great. Then the Seattle LA game was awesome, and so far, I mean, every single game is, uh, has been outstanding. Ivis, what are, what are you doing Dramat- this weekend? Dr- you- uh, the games have been dramatic. Yes, they, have, dramatic. they haven't been. They haven't been the most. Uh, they, they've been unbelievable. <laughs> I feel like this is deja vu now. We're having the same thing. <laughs> uh, this weekend, I am sticking around the area. I am. I'm. I'm only gonna having. I'm only having to travel to Red Bull Arena on Sunday. I, w- I will not be traveling to Columbus. However, the weekend after that, for the second legs of the series, I will. We will be hitting DC. We're gonna have the SBI. Car- uh, Ryan Tolmich will be heading down to DC. I'm sure Franco Panizo obviously will be there uh, as well. Um, but we'll be down in DC on Saturday. And I'll be uh, heading up I-95 and heading up to Reb's crew at Gillette for uh, for their second leg as well. Um, uh, but but again, that's still a week and a half away. This week, this it's going to be great watching all the first legs. And I, RSLLA, look, I keep talking up crew Revs, but RSLLA is going to be a battle without a doubt. 
You're also going to hang out. Oh, no, that, yeah, that game, all the games are going to be good. Seattle, FC, Dallas, they're all going to be good games. Um, going down to D.C., you'll be hanging out with the D.C. crew, too. Who's the D.C. crew? You know, Thomas Floyd. The open wide for some soccer guys. Those guys are insane. Oh yeah, it's another. Hey, if you don't want, if you're looking for podcasts to listen to, I would recommend Open Wide for some soccer. Those guys are pretty funny. Uh, Thomas Floyd and Seth Seth Fratelli, uh, two Goal.com teammates of mine. Uh, they're co-hosts on that show. As is uh, SBI alum Pablo Maurer. Uh, those three guys are hilarious, and uh, you know, definitely listen to the show if you haven't already. And yes, I, w- I will hopefully get get to meet up with those guys. And uh, maybe have a little Nando's. Uh, actually, I don't know if I. I think I'll be co- for those. I no one knows this, but um, I'm actually in the midst of a, a veg- ten day vegan diet thing. Uh, I, I've started to work out. Uh, for those who follow me on Instagram, you know I, I've been hitting the gym, trying to get trying to get in shape. You know, trying to lose weight, trying to uh, get down and try to lose a hundred pounds or so. Uh, but. Uh, the the diet has been interesting, man. The vegan diet. I've had, <laughs> I, I I don't think I'd ever gone a day in my life uh, beyond my ch- infancy uh, without me eating meat. And uh, today marks the fourth straight day without meat. Uh, and it's interesting, man. It's interesting. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, veg- fruits and vegetables. No dairy. No meat. No uh, what else? No uh, no anything, man. No eggs. No any no uh, anything good. No, yeah, I mean, you know what? But you, you, you know what? I've been having fruit, a ton of fruit, really good fruit. But uh, you got, yeah, bananas, watermelon, plums, apples, oranges, blueberries, mangoes, you name it. Uh, so uh, during the day and then at night, it's vegetables. You got, you know, lettuce, uh, tomatoes, cucumbers, spinach, potatoes, boiled potatoes. Um, uh, but yeah, it's going well so far. You know, I've, I've lost some weight. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. The gym is is a good thing. Uh, trying to get healthy, man. Trying to get healthy because you know, since we we're running ourselves ragged between the SBI show, running SBI, writing for Gold.com, uh, finding time for my family. I mean, there's just so much going I know, on. That, 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 that's at least fourth or fifth on the list. Uh, <laughs> I, I know. I know. My wife would probably agree with you there, but. Uh, Nah, you know, it is what it is. So I'm trying to stay healthy so I don't, you know, so I don't just pass out one day. So we'll, hopefully uh, we'll keep it going. So I'll keep everyone updated on how that's going. I might have to break that diet when I go to D.C., though, because it's hard to say no to Nando's. You can, you can, you can break it. You know, see, for like me, like I'll, I'll, I'm careful to eat during the week. But in the weekends, I, I can break it on the weekends. That's what I do. That's the tricky part, though, man, because I feel like for me, it's always go crazy on Sundays and then like eat well on mondays it's like if i if i ate seven days of the week the way i eat on mondays i'd be pretty i'd be pretty i'd be a lot skinnier but you know it's the sundays and the fridays that always end up catching catching you getting you into trouble but you know we'll see how it goes and i only drink beer too i don't drink any of that you know (laughs) so i'm I'm drinking like you know i I had a beer belly for a while i'm not i'm not proud to admit it i can't imagine you with a beer it's horrible i know imagine me like i'm tiny enough as i am with with the disgusting beer belly you're like, five, you're like 5'4", 83 pounds. <laughs> you're, so, you're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, folks. He's at least 5'6". Yeah, at least. <laughs> I, I, that, and that's, on, that's on a good day, too. You know? With heels. with his. Yeah, with exactly. His well, no, with my tennis shoes, they give me at least an inch on them. With sandals, I'm at least a little shorter than that. 
And clogs, he's five seven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, that wraps up today's show, man. Anything else we need to discuss? No, man. I think we covered it all. I mean, how how, uh, how is this a long show? I can never tell. Is it, they're, they're getting, it's getting up there. All right. Yeah. We if we had up. if we had a real radio show, like a daily radio show, we we'd at least be able to fill almost a three hour window of content with this show. Three hour window. Yeah, three hour window. When you have oh. commercials in there, oh, right. and stuff like that. So, uh, if you're listening to the show, <laughs> this is a subtle. This is Garrett's subtle message to potential uh, radio employers that hey, we could do a three-hour show. Yeah, so just 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 letting you know. All right, I want to make one last point or maybe one last statement. Uh, we, I, I don't know what it is, man. We're just not getting any more iTunes reviews. What are you talking about? We got two. We got two five stars. Did we? I checked. It was nice. Thank you. Uh, I know you check it every day. Oh, because I like to check to see what bad things people say about me that I <laughs> that I spend the rest of my day. Well, I stand corrected. Does that person I, even know me? <laughs> I know. Well, hey, listen. Thank you very much for those of you who have given us reviews. And please, if you haven't yet, please give us reviews. Uh, let us know what you think. If you like the show, you, you if you love it, hate it, whatever, just let us know. And definitely in the comment section on the, on the website on SBI, uh, let us know as well. And a little teaser for you. There's uh, a change is coming to SBI on Monday, and uh, if you've gotten to the end of this episode, you are part. You are the, among the very few who have been tipped off to a, a change coming on Monday. Stay tuned for that. I can't tell you what it is. You just gonna have to find out. But something's coming, so stay tuned. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a subtle, it's a little subtle thing. Not not a huge deal, but uh. Just a little bit of a change, something that I think will hopefully make things make it a little easier for folks to 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 get to the site. So we'll, you know, and and obviously, by the way, off a little tangent away from that, if you haven't noticed it already, we we launched a mobile version of SBI. Um, so if you have a mobile device uh, and you're still kind of navigating the regular site on your mobile device, you need to make sure you're checking out our mobile version. Um, it should switch it. Uh, automatically but in case it haven't in case it hasn't uh you should be aware that yes we 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 switched to a we added a mobile site we launched mobile version uh and and the reviews have been pretty positive i think it looks pretty sharp i think our design team did a great job with it so uh keep an eye out for that uh i have noticed it and uh it was pretty nice i was job well done i know you worked hard on that yeah man it's another another step in the process man we're just trying to keep up with the 50 other sites out there trying to do what we do and do what we've done. And, you know, it's not easy, uh, keep, you know, trying to stay, uh, stay current and stay, uh, stay ahead of the game. So that, that's what we keep trying to do. And thank, thanks to all of you who continue to support us, both the SBI show and SBI. Yes. Well, I was, I'm going to let you go, man. It's, uh, almost breakfast free now at this point. So, uh, I'll let you enjoy your Friday. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. As I was I'm Garrett Cleverly. We'll be back on on Monday morning. This is the SBS Show.